Chapter Thirty Two of Molly's Prince. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. Molly's Prince by Rosa Nushet Carey. Chapter Thirty Two. I will never be faithless again nothing begins and nothing ends that is not paid with moan for we are born in others pain and perish in our own thompson he had a face like a benediction cervantes in spite of her terrible exhaustion waveney instinctively dreaded the surprised looks and curious questionings which she feared awaited her the idea of joanna's pity and betty's welcoming caresses seemed alike repugnant and when thorwood opened the parlor door she drew back as though afraid to enter but he gently led her in they are all out he said quietly but you can rest and get warm and then he drew up an easy chair to the fire and placed her in it and brought her a footstool the next moment with careful hands he removed her hat and put a cushion under her head then he drew off her gloves and gently rubbed her benumbed fingers waveney submitted to it all passively the warmth and stillness soothed her in spite of herself when thorwood left the room to speak with jemima she rested her weary head against the soft cushion and closed her eyes how kind he was how kind every one was and then all of a sudden great tears welled up in her eyes the little parlors with their drawn crimson curtains and bright fire seemed to fade from her sight she was sitting on a bench in old ranla gardens and molly was beside her the sunlight was filtering through the limes the children were fitting to and fro like butterflies here he is the noticeable man with large gray eyes she was saying and she could hear molly's sweet scornful laughter in reply dear miss ward please drink this it will warm you and do you good thorogood spoke in a clear persuasive voice but as waveney opened her eyes the tears were rolling down her small white face why did you rouse me she said with a little sob i was dreaming and it was so lovely i was sitting with my molly and we were laughing and talking together oh molly molly and here a fit of bitter weeping seemed to shake her from head to foot no power on earth could have hindered the flow of those tears for one moment thorogood almost lost his calmness waveney my dear child hush he said hoarsely you will make yourself ill why are you so hopeless it is often darkest just before the dawn and then his hand rested for a moment lightly on her head how do you know that your sister's life may not be spared 
and then all these tears may have been needlessly shed child do not lose your faith god may be dealing mercifully with you and yours he spoke in a voice of intense feeling then he gently raised her from the cushions and held the cup to her lips you must drink this he said very quietly and gently and waveney checked her tears and obeyed him there you are better now he said in a tone of relief when the cup was empty yes she whispered thank you for being so good and patient i ought not to have troubled you so troubled returned thorogood in a low suppressed voice when there is nothing on earth that i would not do for you my darling the last words were scarcely audible then he bit his lip and rose hastily what was he doing he had forgotten himself the sight of her tears the anguish in her beautiful eyes had utterly unnerved him for the moment he had been oblivious of everything but her suffering and his great love and words of tenderness had forced themselves to his lips good heavens what had he done and here he paced the room in agitation but a glance at the easy chair reassured him poor child she was so dazed so confused that probably the words had not reached her ears if they had and here he frowned and stared at the fire in perplexity if fool that he was he had betrayed himself and then in spite of his self-reproach a gleam of joy crossed his face what if she had understood him and knew without doubt that she was the darling of his heart but he would not trust himself to be alone with her any longer he sent for a cab and then went up to joanna's room for an old fur-lined cloak that he knew hung in her wardrobe a few minutes later when he returned to the room the cloak was over his arm waveney was still in the same position lying back on the cushions with closed eyes and listless hands folded on her lap but at the sound of his step she struggled into a sitting posture have you come for me may i go now she asked in a weak little voice but he noticed that the color had returned to her lips yes he said quietly the cab is here but you must let me wrap you in this cloak for it is bitterly cold outside and this room is so warm then she stood up without a word and allowed him to put it round her then still silently he drew her hand through his arm and led her slowly down the little courtyard for some minutes no word passed between them thoroughgood pulled up the windows then he wrapped the old cloak a little closer round her and stooped to bring it under her feet as he did so she put out her hand to stop him oh please please do not trouble about me so she said in a distressed tone i am quite warm now you are so kind and i cannot even thank you then with a sudden impulse he took her hand and held it firmly 
do you know how you can thank me best he said very gently by taking better care of yourself in future waveney promise me that you will never act so recklessly again good heavens what would have become of you if i had not found you and even now then with an involuntary shudder he checked himself i was very wrong she returned humbly but i was so unhappy and i wanted to tire myself and somehow the river and the loneliness soothed me and then all at once i seemed to lose myself and you came i think the cold numbed me but i understand better now and i am sorry she spoke in broken little sentences and it was with difficulty that he could hear the words they were just entering the lodge gates at that moment and he leant forward in the darkness and lifted the cold little hand to his lips yes you were wrong he said tenderly as though he were speaking to a child but you will never be so foolish again you will take care of yourself for the sake of those who love you then he dropped her hand as a gleam of light from the open door streamed across the shrubbery and as the cab stopped he saw althea standing in the porch with a light fleecy wrap thrown over her head oh waveney she exclaimed in an anxious tone as thoroughgood lifted the girl out where have you been then as she caught sight of waveney's face my dear child you look dreadful what has happened nothing has happened returned thoroughgood impatiently miss ward is not well the cold has struck her please do not keep her standing here and unceremoniously putting athea aside he almost carried waveney across the hall take her to doreen's room there's a nice fire there althea said quickly but she was too late for thoroughgood had already opened the library door as he did so two people sitting by the fire rose hastily and looked at them the next moment waveney uttered a cry and freed herself from thoroughgood's supporting arm father she exclaimed in a voice of terror you have come you have come to tell me then her breath failed her and she almost fell into everard's arms my darling i have come to bring you good news he said pressing her almost convulsively to him oh such good news my waveney molly is better the danger has passed and but here he stopped as waveney's head fell heavily on his shoulder you have told her too suddenly observed althea in an alarmed voice but thoroughgood without a word took the girl from her father's arms and laid her on a couch she has fainted he said briefly you had better bring some brandy and smelling salts the sudden revulsion has been too much for her and then he helped althea apply the remedies while everard stood helplessly by too shocked and troubled to be of any use it seemed long before waveney opened her eyes 
she seemed rather confused at first as thoroughgood put a glass to her lips she looked at him a little wildly is it another dream she whispered was not father here really then thoroughgood smiled at her it was no dream he said quietly the good news is quite true mr ward will you take my place please then everett knelt down by her couch waveney's weak arms were round his neck in a moment father she said pressing her cheek against his tell it me again molly my molly is not going to die then everett in a rather tremendous voice repeated the good news there had been a change for the better early in the day but he had waited until the afternoon for the physician's verdict the danger that they dreaded was no longer imminent the disease had run its course everything depended now upon skilful nursing with care and watchfulness sir hindley hoped that molly would in time recover her normal strength but in this insidious disease there was the danger of sudden collapse from exhaustion indeed there were other risks but everett did not mention this waveney listened with painful attention then her heavy eyes were fixed wistfully on her father's face is it really true she murmured thank god oh thank god father dear may i see her now everett frowned anxiously he had dreaded this question but he had to be firm for the doctor's orders were stringent no dear he said sorrowfully you must not see her yet it is for molly's sake as well as yours no one must see her the least excitement or agitation in her weak state might be fatal you must be patient my little waveney and i will promise you this that you shall be molly's first visitor and then waveney hid her face on his shoulder do not let her talk any more observed althea gently and then thoroughgood came forward to take his leave as he pressed her hand waveney looked at him with a touching expression of gratitude in her dark eyes you were right she said in a low voice and i was wicked and faithless but i will never be faithless again but his sole answer was a smile so bright and reassuring that in her weakness it almost dazzled her as though some sudden sunbeam had flashed across her eyes fear nothing it seemed to say poor little tired child rest and be still and indeed before everett left the house an hour later the worn-out girl was sleeping peacefully while althea with motherly eyes watched beside her it was late that night before althea retired to rest thoroughgood's account had filled her with uneasiness his description made her shudder the dark solitary towing path with the dense mist rising from the river the exhausted little creature trying to walk off her sorrow and restlessness no wonder that althea's kind heart ached with pity oh thoroughgood she said 
and her eyes were full of tears how do we know what the poor child may have to suffer for her imprudence she may have rheumatic fever oh one cannot tell what may be the result of such madness then thoroughgood shook his head with a rather sad smile you must not take such a gloomy view let us hope there will be no bad result i confess miss ward's exhausted condition alarmed me at first it was distressing to see her and then there was so little one could do thoroughgood's tone had a note of pain in it but althea looked at him with an affectionate smile don't undervalue yourself thoroughgood in any emergency or trouble i know of no one who could give more efficient help so many kind-hearted people spoil everything by their fussiness oh that is one for joa no no i was not thinking of poor joa with all her goodness she is the last person i should care to have near me in any sudden trouble perhaps it is unkind of me to say this but i know we think alike on this point and though thoroughgood made no verbal response to this it was evident that he agreed with her when waveney woke the next morning she was conscious of aching limbs and unusual weariness and lassitude and it was almost with a feeling of relief that she heard althea say she must remain in bed you have been a naughty little child she said kissing her and doreen and i are excessively angry with you so we have agreed that you are to be punished by some hours of solitary confinement i'm going to light your fire and then you are to eat breakfast and go to sleep again waveney smiled quite happily at this she had no wish to dispute the point it was a luxury to lie still in her soft bed and watch the pleasant firelight until her drowsy eyelids closed again in spite of her weariness and aching limbs there was a fount of joy in her heart molly is better molly will get well those were the words she repeated over and over again and more than once her hands were folded and thank god came audibly from her lips at midday althea brought a note that moritz had sent by a boy messenger it was written to her but there was a message for waveney she read part of it aloud molly had slept well and the improvement continued both doctor and nurses seemed satisfied if i had my way sir henley should have a peerage wrote moritz he is worth all the other doctors put together and miss molly would never have pulled through without him i'll take my oath of that but althea kept the remainder of the letter to herself it was too strictly private and confidential even for doreen's ears all day long in her waking intervals waveney was keeping one thought at bay deep down in her inner consciousness she was aware of some strange and secret joy which she did dare not face but which seemed to distill some rare and precious aroma 
was it a dream she was continually asking herself but the answer to this perpetually eluded her all the events of the previous evening had resolved themselves into a sort of painful vision the dark sullen river her restless anguish those confused moments when giddy and sick she had sat on the bench with mr chaytor beside her the walk through the lighted streets and then the warmth and comfort of that friendly refuge it was not until late in the afternoon when the wintry dusk had closed in and the pansy room was bright with firelight that the power of consecutive thought and memory seemed to return to waveney when some sudden remembrance made her bury her face in the pillow what were those words that in spite of her weakness seemed stamped on her heart and brain trouble when there is nothing on earth that i would not do for you my darling no it was no dream she had actually heard them he had really said them would she ever forget his voice or the smile that had seemed to steal into her weary heart like a benediction then for a few blissful moments molly was forgotten in the overwhelming consciousness that the man she most admired and revered who seemed so far above her in wisdom and intellect should stoop from his great height to care for her end of chapter thirty two recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver b c